Hey, it's Mike with a rare intro update. The first 20 minutes of Johnny's recording got corrupted, so his audio will sound a little weird at first, but then it'll sound much better, I promise. Thanks for understanding. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. I am a 31-year-old man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid, but I'm reading them now for the very first time as an adult because I'm on a quest to determine if this is a book series that we've all been sleeping on as a society, and I'm not on this quest alone, and I'm not even on this recording alone because I'm coming to you live in person, crammed into not even the Shubio walk-in closet turned into a home studio, but... Kelly and I's slightly larger bedroom closet that is, as we found, just big enough to fit in a table and two chairs and two microphones. I'm here in the closet with Johnny Frogstein. Johnny, how's it going? That was such an intro for me. <laughs> wow. I love the intimate description of the closet that we're in. I'm doing well. It's been a hot minute since I've been on here. It has been a while. I don't even know what book you were last on. Was it book two? I think it was book two, yeah. I got married since then. You did. Congratulations. How does it feel? Ever since I got married, I started getting injured. Like, I immediately <sighs> just got old. I've, I think I've had three injuries since I got married, and I hadn't had an injury in, like, years before that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Welcome to the marriage club, I guess. Yeah, I had my big foot injury, well, I guess, like, a month before the wedding playing pickup basketball. And I have since healed from it for the most part. But I do have to wear orthotics. And the uh, foot doctor was telling me about this. And I asked him, oh, okay, cool. For how long do I have to wear these? And he said forever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no one tells me that when you get married, you immediately get old. Yeah. Once you hit 30, you have the injury yeah, and it's uh, usually very, very silly. But anyway, we are here not to discuss being old. We are here to discuss Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Specifically, we are going to be covering the rest of chapter 14 and then as much of chapter 15 as we can get into. I don't know if we've asked you any of the follow-up guest questions, because I think those were all created after you were on the first time. So I will ask you the first one then, which is, have you ever done one of those godly parent quizzes? And do you know, or do you just have an idea based on vibes of who your godly parents would be? I've never done a quiz. Maybe I'll do that before we next record. But I think my godly parents probably Apollo. Ooh, okay. Just sort of the like spacey nature of him and like the like devil may care attitude. I, I think I'm probably a, a good fit with Apollo. I like it. I like that a lot. I can see it for sure. Okay, so we're going to continue chapter 14 where we last left our heroes. They were getting ready to fight a whole bunch of baddies specifically in Central Park, which is very cool. And we will continue on. Uh, actually, from the episode, I don't know if it's the most recent one or the one prior where we told the... Uh, uh, mug story, the infamous mugs. You drank coffee from that infamous mug this morning. That's right. That's right. I did. On brand, on theme, ready for the podcast. So narrator Percy lets us know that the demigods hear the enemy army before they see it. And it sounds like a fleet of cannons firing off mixed with a football stadium crowd, quote, like every Patriots fan in New England was charging us with bazookas. And I'm glad that Rick had the attention to detail to make New Yorker Percy Jackson view Boston sports as the enemy, which is the correct approach. I was going to say, did they also all have like bottles of uh, Sam Adams and like <laughs> screaming about David Ortiz? <laughs> who did steroids? Who did steroids? Indeed he did. Indeed he did them. He did them quite a lot. 
Now, at the north of the reservoir is a group of Lestragonian giants led by a warrior in golden armor. And this is, again, seeming like that golden titan that we have not been privy to the name of yet, but we will soon get to meet this guy. There are hundreds of other monsters following behind this guy, and Annabeth calls for the team to take their positions. Narrator Percy then clues us in on the plan, which is to make the enemy break around the reservoir, sending them into narrow paths on either side of the water, which feels like a smart strategical approach. Gee, I wonder why they're centering their plan around the water. I didn't even <laughs> think about that until Percy said it and then I realized oh of course that he's makes sense guy. he's the water guy now this plan does work initially the enemy splits and they just get wrecked by Greek fire and grappling hooks and then in the woods to the right hunters launch a set of arrows and they take out about 20 to 30 dracani which is pretty sweet I love the image of all of them like running through and then immediately erupting in Greek fire I don't know there's something very like bad guy army doesn't know not to run straight for the good guy army because there's going to be traps in between. It feels like uh, like in the seventh Harry Potter movie when they blow up the bridge. You know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You just didn't have to run. To me, it feels like, did you ever play the PlayStation 2 or I'm sure I think it was on the GameCube and other stuff, Nightfire, the 007 oh, game? Oh, yeah. And you could play the multiplayer thing and there were all the different gun weapon type presets and explosives too was always the most fun because it was just like the trip wire bombs <laughs> and the remote detonating ones and the time ones. And no matter how difficult you made the computer, sometimes they would just run right into your trap and you'd just be sitting there waiting, being like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then. Poof. Wow. I had no idea we had such a similar childhood because I spent every weekend doing that to computer baddies. Uh, me and Josh Pacifico and my buddy Chris Odell would do this where we would just like set it up as us on the same team against the computer and then set the score to like 120 where it would just <laughs> take like two hours to be and we would just wreck the computer it was so fun we would always make some of the enemies Y Lin because she was the hardest enemy she <laughs> was very smart but then we would throw in you know some other people like James Bond for good measure we were always the bad guys because you got to be odd job odd job is the best well every character <laughs> is identical in terms of their skill set but then odd job has odd jobs hat which is a one hit kill top hat that you throw at people so it's just the obvious solution is to be him because he's definitely better than everyone no one else has an advantage maybe Jaws punches better, but I think the only thing is that Ajab has Ajab's hat. And I would just always start the level by taking it because it respawns every like however many seconds. I would just throw it up into the sky because every now and then Hail Mary <laughs> would come down and hit somebody. <laughs> well, I would give to have a one hit KO hat in real life. Oh. Anybody like, you know, in the way on the street, just. <laughs> But hopefully not, killed, not murdering. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of, course, of course, of course, of course. So a bolt of lightning zaps a giant and it causes this giant to crumble. Thalia is pulling her weight in addition to the rest of the hunters. Grover plays a tune on his reed pipes. Gotta know what tune it is. And loads of woodland spirits emerge and charge at the enemy. Trees start strangling the monsters very... Lord of the Rings ent energy here. Grass grows and tangles up the feet of the enemy archers, and then stones hit Dracani in the face. So just everyone's doing the coolest stuff. The vibes are great. What pump-up music was Grover playing? It has to be like pump-up music, right? Yeah, yeah. It either has to be pump-up music or Hillary Duff. But something or... cheesy like Heart of a Champion by Nelly. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, yeah. If we want to go really cheesy, what's the really bad, like, 10% power, 40%? Oh, remember the name. God, what a truly 
atrocious song. Is it just doing the rap? <laughs> oh, it's so bad, but it feels like something Grover would like. Uh, fun fact about that song. It's by Fort Minor. Okay. The rapper in Fort Minor is Mike Shinoda, who's the same rapper in Lincoln Park. I was going to say he raps like the Lincoln Park guy. It's that is very, guy. that that checks out. <laughs> and that's a pretty loose definition of the term rapping. I would just say like talking. <laughs> <laughs> but doing it like this. <laughs> ever so slightly, ever, ever so faintly. Giants smash through trees. This causes naiads to fade because their source of energy is being destroyed. Hellhounds attack the timberwolves. Enemy archers return fire and shoot one of the hunters out of a tree branch. So the enemy is also pushing back as well. Annabeth gets Percy's attention and alerts him to the fact that this golden warrior is simply walking over the top of the lake. And I went, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, known God. <laughs> Notable Titan, Jesus Christ. A Greek firebomb explodes right on top of this guy, but he raises his palm and sucks the flames out of the air, which is very cool, yeah, but also sick. very scary. Annabeth knows that this is Hyperion, the Lord of Light. And this was my guess because when I did the mythology episode with Red from Overly Sarcastic Productions, Red had talked about this as a Titan. It's like, oh, yeah, there's a golden unnamed Titan. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Percy, to check about Hyperion, goes bad with a question mark. And Annabeth explains that aside from Atlas, he's the greatest Titan warrior. In the olden times, four Titans controlled the four corners of the world, and he was the Titan of the East and the most powerful. He's the father of Helios, the first sun god. Sun, rising, uh, east. Ah, uh, uh, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. Also, shout out to uh, the Game of Thrones people out there for the Lord of Light crossover. You know what that means. I totally do. Yep, I know so much about Game of Thrones. Podcast company, please pay me to make unnamed <laughs> Game of Thrones podcast that I do have a name for that is not throneless. I will never make another thing less wait but it's like potter oh my god right? oh it's because it was potter more anyway if, uh, <laughs> if no one's paid you to make it i will pay you to make it okay okay uh, we'll start raising the funds now baby I say how much <laughs> <laughs> yeah i gotta set my price anyway percy says he will keep hyperion busy annabeth says that even percy cannot but percy interrupts her and instructs her to keep the forces together Narrative Percy reveals that posting up at the reservoir was incredibly intentional so that he could utilize the water for strength. I didn't even think about that. That makes so much sense. So much sense. Smart plan. Yeah. Percy rushes at Hyperion, who is running on the water, thinking, yeah, buddy, two can play that game. Fantastic. Two Jesuses. <laughs> two Jesuses. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. Hyperion is now about 20 feet away from Percy, and he raises his sword, and Percy can tell that he has eyes that glow even brighter than Kronos' eyes. Hyperion says, the sea god's brat. You're the one who trapped Atlas beneath the sky again? And Percy replies that it wasn't that hard, since the Titans are, quote, about as bright as my gym socks. Okay, there's no way that a whatever... 15 at this point still? Yeah, almost 16. Almost 16-year-old boy has a separate pair of gym socks. There's just, yeah. That's an old man thing. That is an old man thing. Or it would be, we would have to figure out exactly how good with any high school works because it could be like my K-8 where we would have gym class in the middle of the day and my school had a uniform and you had to wear a gym uniform as well. So like you would specifically change into gym socks. I think as a term, calling them gym socks is more outdated. Like I would call my socks like athletic socks or running socks or something like that. Not necessarily gym socks, but 
in school in the past when I had gym class in the middle of the day, I did have separate socks that I wore to gym class so that I didn't have sweaty feet for the rest of the day. Yeah, I think you're right. It's the terminology that's outdated. Yeah, not the actual use. That being said, I also do have incredibly sweaty feet. So that could oh, be. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely uh, I definitely agree with the use case. <laughs> but yeah, that is more of an old guy turn of phrase for sure. Now, speaking of turns of phrases, him saying about as bright as my gym socks might not have been the best call because Hyperion replies, you want bright? And covers his body in pure light and heat that renders Percy unable to see. He couldn't have said you're as smart as my chicken <laughs> I think this was a very intentional, well-crafted choice by Uncle Rick. <laughs> but if we step out of the fact that this is just a book, not necessarily the best choice of words from Percy Jackson. You Titans are about as intelligent as my chicken socks. You, <laughs> you want, want intelligent? intelligent? <laughs> Did you know that the capital... <laughs> <sighs> so he is big bright boy now and Percy can't see, but he raises Riptide just out of instinct and is able to block Hyperion's blade slashing down at Percy. The connection of the two blades yields a huge shockwave across the reservoir, causing big waves to form. Hyperion, do better. Man has his eyes closed. Do better. Uh, <laughs> look, Percy's tough. He knows what to do. Percy's eyes are still burning. So he knows that he has to, much like Nelly Furtado, turn off the light. So he, <laughs> he channels the waves that have formed and tries to redirect them back towards them. And he is able to do so. And then he uses the water to propel him upward out of the way just before the waves crash in on Hyperion. Really cool stuff. I'm so stoked for the TV show because all of the water moves that Percy does are really fun. They're oh, really, really completely. fun. This was a heck of a move. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hope... And I've seen from some of the behind the scenes filming things that they do do some stuff like in actual water tanks. I hope they use practical effects as much as possible, because just when a movie has practical effects instead of CGI, it's so much better. Like it's all the Christopher so Nolan better. movies, like how they actually flip the truck in the Dark Knight. Yes. Yes. Or even just like watching the old Spider-Man movies like, yeah, I can tell that it's prop fire to have the burning building, but it just looks so much better. And the uh, skeletons that... <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about in the first Spider-Man movie? Oh, well, those are CGI, and that's... No, they were real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Sam Raimi went to Science Lab. So Hyperion, from this crash, does fall beneath the surface of the water. His light does go out. He then gets to his feet. His armor is completely soaked. His eyes are no longer glowing, but he tells Percy that he will burn. They clash swords again, and it emits a smell of ozone, which we all know, and we all have always known forever, that this is what it smells like before it rains. All right, so... The ozone layer is like not still a thing, right? Like, I, like it seems like we were really concerned about that in like the mid aughts, and ever since then, like one day, people were just like, actually, the ozone layer is fine. Does that mean we solved the problem, or that it's not actually a concern? I'm not sure. I would assume, as all things are terrible with the environment, that it is still very much a problem. I do know we're recording this one on July seventh. We have recorded the hottest record day on Earth two times this week. So that's really good and fun and super normal. Oh. Yeah, really, really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. I think it is still a problem because the air quality here in New York was considered bad the other day, not because of Canadian wildfires, which was the reason that it was bad recently throughout June and July, but because of just like ozone stuff and then people shooting off a bunch of fireworks all throughout 4th of July and the surrounding days. Oh, it just made the air quality back because it was really hot and then all this was going on. But also, I'm pretty sure ozone is still a thing because when I was in Australia, Kelly and I had a day where we 
reapplied sunscreen, or maybe it was like we bought sunscreen there and it said something like you got to reapply every three hours. We're like, that is ridiculous. Like, what is this awful sunscreen? And then one of my Australian friends told me, no, 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 you have to reapply sunscreen here a lot because the ozone is bad in Australia. And I did look it up and I think it's been going on like since the 70s, but also those really bad wildfires that they had in 2019 and 2020 when the world was literally on fire before it was figuratively on fire. Ah, yes. That I think made it worse. So I think the ozone is still a thing, but we're not freaking out about it in the US as much. Maybe it's because we don't use Axe body spray as much. I was going to say, it was like right <laughs> as I was coming into the age where I was like so pumped to use Axe body spray, they were like, do not use Axe body spray or else the climate is going to be totally done for. Yeah, I think it is still a thing, but maybe it's just one of those things where uh, either propaganda wise or just because there's other bad stuff happening, we're, it's just not in the forefront of the brains. Yeah. But it should be. I don't know. Please save the environment. Please, everyone, please, please. New York is doing good with it. There's composting bins like all across the city now. It's awesome. Oh, just we like, love that. There's just compost NYC. You can just like compost in like a regular trash can designated for compost. You just got to like get the app to open it. It's great. I it's prefer to worry about the frozone layers. Oh, where's my... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> the fight rages around Percy and Hyperion. Hyperion tells PJ, quote... Enough games. We fight on land. And I wrote in my notes, uh, how about no? And then narrator Percy says, I was about to make some clever comment like no when the Titan yelled. And he yells and does this move where Percy gets sent flying 300 yards away, similar to what Cronus did to him on the Princess Andromeda. And narrator Percy lets us know that if he was normal, vincible Percy Jackson, he would have broken every bone in his body from landing on the ground with such force. Can we talk about how long 300 yards is? It's really far. Like that's six of a mile. That's three football fields. Holy that's moly. really big. That's really, really, really big. Hyperion prepares to attack. Percy tries to focus on the nearby water to power up. Hyperion keeps trying to start flames in the grass around him, but they get extinguished almost immediately. Hyperion tells Percy to stop, quote, that wind. And Percy has no idea what he means, but he just continues fighting and figures out, I'll worry about this later. Hyperion then falters as if he's being pushed away by wind. Water is spraying him in the face and getting in his eyes. And then Grover asks Percy, how are you doing that? And Percy thinks, but doesn't say, which is incredibly smart to not let your enemy know, I don't know what I'm doing. Percy just thinks, doing what? And then he looks down and realizes that he's standing inside of his own personal hurricane, which is super cool. At this point in the TV show, it's going to be like, here I am. <laughs> oh, oh, right. I'm like, like a hurricane. Yeah, that'd be good. That would be really good. <laughs> I, I hope the needle drops in the Percy Jackson show were good. I would imagine Disney has the money to do so because that's a real benefit of Ted Lasso being an Apple TV show is just the songs that they drop are just so good. Totally. So, 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 so good. Well, it's like the part in Thor when uh, when they play Land of the Ice and Snow when he's like... Yeah, the immigrant song. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I would really, really hope that they get good needle drops because there's so many good opportunities for, for things sure. like this. Especially, it's a kid's program. Like, you can cheese it up and ham it up a little bit. Like, I would like them to use real songs, but I can also see them it being a Disney production, them trying to go fully original score with it. So I could see that being the thing. I don't know. Like I haven't really watched a bunch of Disney plus specific shows, but Marvel does needle drops and oh, not just sure. original score. For so sure. it doesn't seem like they'd be afraid of it. it. There's a lot of opportunity for it. And I think it would be fun, especially because like music does come up in these books a lot. Like I was going to say like the episode 
whenever Grover will first play So Yesterday. It should like roll to black. Right. So Yesterday, which well, is a Disney property anyway. Yeah. And he does Jesse McCartney at one point, who I think is also Disney. And then if he's not, he's he's like in that space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they talk about the white stripes. They make fun of Chiron for like Dean Martin. Like music is a big role. I would hope it isn't just solely original score. Anyway, personal hurricane, fantastic stuff. Vapor clouds swirl around Percy, pushing away Hyperion and flattening the grass for 20 yards around him. Incoming javelins just get blown away. Percy tries to ramp up this hurricane a bit more and the clouds darken, the rain picks up, and as Percy steps closer to Hyperion, he knocks him off of his feet. Then Grover calls for Percy to send him in his direction. So Percy starts attacking with Riptide to keep Hyperion distracted. Hyperion's unable to do any sort of flame move. He just keeps getting pelted and pelted with water. And then Percy feels his power draining a bit. So he figures, okay, I'm not going to be able to hold this up forever. I got to do one final push. And he does so and sends Hyperion soaring towards where Grover is standing. Hyperion, who is actively being toyed with, yells, I will not be toyed with. Narrator, he <laughs> yeah, yeah, narrator. He was and he will continue to be. And he gets up, but Grover immediately plays a repipe song. Gotta know what song it is. Linnaeus joins, then every other satyr in the woods joins, and they play this eerie melody that causes the ground to erupt and roots to sprout and bind Hyperion's legs. Percy, as the narrator, describes it as looking like he's wearing wooden boots. Oh. And Hyperion tries to claim that this magic is no match for him, but in direct opposition to Taylor Swift, he cannot shake it off. Two of those in the same episode. I'm firing on all cylinders, baby. <laughs> Hyperion's army begins to back off in surprise as Hyperion eventually becomes completely covered in bark and becomes a maple tree. I'm so stoked for Grover right now. His powers are so strong. I love it. Yeah, also just the leadership of all the satyrs for him to just like pull it out. Yeah, unbelievable performance. It's really solid stuff. Satyrs start to pass out in exhaustion, and that completely makes sense because the tree that they have turned Hyperion into is 20 feet in diameter, which is wild. What is like a redwood? I don't know. I've seen redwoods, but I didn't have a tape measure with me when I went on the hike. I did Google this, though, because I was curious to see if 20 feet in diameter is legit. It isn't legit for a real tree, I don't think, because it is half the size of the tree of life in Disney. You know that giant famously fake tree in Animal Kingdom ah, in yes. Disney World? That's <laughs> enormous and has an entire movie theater inside of it so that you can watch It's a Bug's Life or whatever the heck they call it. It's tough to be a bug, that one. No free ads for Disney, but... <laughs> 20 feet is about half of it. I think that tree is like 40 something feet in diameter. So like we're talking an enormous comically large tree. So we could put a half a movie theater in there. It's yeah, <laughs> just a small little, you know, avant-garde theater. But let's see. Red, <laughs> yeah. Redwood diameter. When they come out and they announce the movie beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Average mature redwoods have diameters of 10 to 15 feet. So it's bigger than a redwood. Wow. That's really big. So it's not like impossible and this is a magic tree but huge huge well done satyrs take your naps <laughs> yes you have earned your naps hyperion's army begins to retreat and the athena cabin cheers but then chronos unveils the surprise that has been aforementioned and then a loud read squeal it's always read when there's a squeal in these books it's always read r-e-e-t so are you telling me that the army actually instead of retreating they retreat <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. Thank so, you, sir. yes, they have retreated. 
This reet is heard by all, and then everybody just stops in their tracks. Grover gives Percy a terrified look, saying, quote, it can't be, which is never good. You don't want to hear that, especially from Grover. And Percy knows exactly what it is. And I was very happy because my previous guess when this chapter title was Pigs Flies, I was like, oh, there's no way like the pig is coming back, right? And... (gasps) I actually was, question mark. So narrative Percy explains the boar for anyone who skipped book three by chance and then says that the squeal sounds slightly higher pitched as if it is the boar's angry girlfriend. And it is, in fact, a pink sow version of the giant boar, and it has wings. So I wasn't 100% right. It's not just like the boar from before with wings. The before boar. The now pig. Yes, it is the now pig. So it is a pink sow version of our giant boar from before. The The now sow. (laughs) The now sow. (laughs) Yes. The demigods duck away as the pig knocks down loads of trees and burps out noxious gas, which is a new upgrade that was not in our pig friend before. Percy says, quote, don't tell me that thing is from Greek mythology. Annabeth says, afraid so. The Klasmonian sow, gotta ask Dr. Boy about this. It apparently terrorized Greek towns in the past. Percy says, let me guess, Hercules beat it. And I actually laughed out loud while reading this. (laughs) I very much appreciate Uncle Rick recognizing that a lot of the inspiration for Percy comes from the trials of Hercules. And just to very tongue in cheek, semi fourth wall break it to bring that up. I found really funny. I love how self-aware Rick is. Yeah, totally. He can he can look at the camera when he says this in the show. Oh, man. I wonder if they will do fourth wall break stuff. I don't feel like they will, but I doubt it. I would appreciate it. Yeah. Maybe just like one time. Well, I feel like one would be really fun. Yeah. Like in the middle of like one of his monster fights, it's like, yep, that's me. You're probably wondering. (laughs) I do wonder, I mean, I still don't think they would do it, but it would be fun if they broke the fourth wall every time the title comes up. Oh, Like yeah. in book five when <laughs> Hestia goes, yeah, blah, 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 I'm the last Olympian. It'd be fun if Percy just like makes eye contact <laughs> with the camera and then goes back. So Percy grabs a grappling hook, which I was very excited about. He grabs this from an Athena camper and he states that the pig must go. He instructs his comrades to fend off the army while he deals with this sow. Grover asks, what if they can't do it? Percy notices how tired everyone is, and he thinks about how he doesn't want to leave his group behind, but he also realizes that the pig is the biggest threat, so he needs to tackle it. Excellent work triaging there from our boy Pars. Yeah, he's doing a very good job of leading and understanding where his efforts are best put forth, and it's not an easy job, but he's firing on all cylinders. Completely. He tells the team that they can retreat if they need to, but it is important that they at least slow the enemy down. He promises to return ASAP. I'm wondering at this point, okay, is he going to call upon Blackjack? But Percy says, I'm going to fly on my own because he uses the grappling hook to hook the pig's wing when it slams down for its next attack. And then as it rises back into the sky, it brings Percy along with her. Okay, so I was a little (laughs) mad about this part at first because it says that Percy swung the grappling hook like a lasso Mm -hmm. and you just don't know how to like you can't just like lasso something with no experience. But then I thought about it and I'm like, well, Poseidon, God of horses, like maybe Um, there's something there. It's funny that you have made this joke because in a previous episode that you have not heard yet because it hasn't been released. Eric Schneider and I were wondering how in a previous chapter Percy was able to just ride a motorcycle because he said, I've ridden a Pegasus before and that's hard. So a motorcycle, no big deal. It's like, okay. And he did ride the Vespa before, but that's completely different. But just because you're good at a harder thing doesn't mean you're good at an easier thing. But then my justification was, well, horse powers, horse 
power, oh! horsepower. Like maybe it translates. So it is funny that you're also bringing in the God of Horses into this. But yeah, I would assume maybe they've done some sort of grappling hook training at camp. If the Athena campers had this as just like a tool, I would not be surprised if at some point in the arena they used them. So maybe that's where the experience comes from. Or Percy can ride a Pegasus. So this is easier. So he just knows how to use a grappling hook. I assume you went to the Houston Rodeo while you were there, right? Yes, I went to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. I I ate fried alligator on a stick. I went to the pig races. I saw ZZ Top in concert. I saw a train, which was wild. But I will say, like, they don't feel very, you know, hey, soul sister at the rodeo doesn't make sense. But shout out to the guy from Train because... The rodeo has a pretty big gap between the stage and where the crowd is. And when he did the Hazel Sister, he did a full lap that took the entirety of the song around the crowd. And he was just like jogging like he had to wow. jog. It's a really big arena jogging around the dirt that borders where the crowd starts. And he just said hi to people like full running, singing the whole time and just like kept his breath. His cardio was fantastic. I was going to say singing while you're running is so hard. Dude, but all these musicians do it like Beyonce's never out of breath. And I saw Carly Rae Jepsen. She never lost her breath. She's dead and she's running through the crowd. I did karaoke at Leaky Con. I just did Just a Friend and I was like jumping around stage running <laughs> through the crowd. I was dying. I was dying. And that is a song where like you have lots of space to take lots of deep plenty, breath. Plenty. The cardio on these performers is it's just through the roof. Anyway, rodeo. I yeah. love. <laughs> yeah. anyway, I, anyway, back to our original tangent. <laughs> I love that the rodeo always has like two non-country artists that are so out of place. Like Train, Train. was obviously one. I saw Zed EDM <laughs> at the rodeo, which was so weird. Anyways, seeing people lasso animals while they're on a horse is the coolest thing you can ever possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And it's like genuinely mind-blowing. That was the original point of all this, of all this. If it you're in the Houston <laughs> area, the Livestock Show and Radio is pretty good. They also got a carnival and they'll have live music and interesting food. You can get deep fried everything. It's a good time. Big it fun. is a good time. And they also do like a good amount of charitable efforts, which is pretty cool too. So it's from my understanding, good vibes all around. Anyway, Percy Jackson, <laughs> narrator Percy about this hooking situation says, quote, if you're heading downtown from Central Park, my advice is to take the subway. Flying pigs are faster, but way more dangerous. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> and now I'm going to have to do a sequel to the first episode of Modern Muckraker, where we asked and determined when Spider-Man should take the subway instead of web swinging. Now we also need to factor in, okay, when should Percy Jackson take the subway or take a flying pig? <laughs> or when should Spider-Man take a flying pig Look. as opposed to web swinging? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there are many, Lots of options. many options, and we'll just have to do it in a future season of Modern Muckraker. Narrative Percy admits that his plan of just climb up the rope to the pig wasn't the most well thought out since he has to keep dodging buildings as the pig flies down Fifth Avenue. He also didn't factor in how hard it would be to climb a rope. So this is just the beginning of the proof of you kind of need an Annabeth if you're Percy Jackson yeah, because you don't be you don't really plan. Yeah. Percy then hears the greatest possible thing to hear in this moment. Boss, hey boss. Let's so go. that's exactly what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> Let's go with seven O's. Blackjack continues. Hop on. I can catch you. Probably. And look, I appreciate the honesty from Blackjack. You know, he thinks he can do it, but he's not gonna promise anything that he's not sure he can deliver on. I was going to say, right? What do they say? Under promise, over deliver? That's yeah. what he's doing here. I love it. Narrator Percy says, that wasn't very reassuring, <laughs> which is hilarious. And they are approaching Grand Central Terminal and the giant Hermes statue, which is outside of GCT and it is very nice. Percy figures that this statue is too high up to be activated by Plan 23. But Percy has an idea. He tells Blackjack to hang on tight and Blackjack responds, oh, I hate your ideas. <laughs> and... I was wondering, 
Is there an idea from the past that Percy had for Blackjack that he didn't like? I guess the only thing I could think of was when he told Blackjack to leave them behind when they were on the Princess Andromeda earlier in book five and Blackjack didn't want to leave. And he was like, no, 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 you got to get out of here. Is there any other idea? This felt more like, oh, you make me do dangerous stuff. You're right. I, I can't don't actually if... think of any. I feel like yeah. it's just like I just like allowed it because it was classic like superhero sidekick banter. But you're right that there hasn't actually been like dangerous ideas for Blackjack. The only time Blackjack is frustrated at Percy is when Percy doesn't bring him along for stuff, which just shows that Blackjack is a great friend it's and companion. It actually means that he likes his ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess his ideas sometimes involve Blackjack yeah, yeah, not yeah, being I, around. I, yeah, yeah, but no, I, I get that it's just like a comedic bantery thing, but I was wondering, like, is there a time Percy has put Blackjack in danger? And I think, if anything, it's the opposite. It is, like, very, like, cliche action movie, like, oh, I hate mm-hmm, your ideas. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Percy swings outward and then wraps the rope around the Hermes statue in an attempt to yank the pig, but he miscalculated, and the pig just yanks the statue out of its holding. <laughs> and this is really, again, just showing Percy without Annabeth is not good. Like, you, it's one of those things you don't realize all of the time how helpful Percy as just this athletic, powerful, quick-thinking beast of a hero is when he's got like a person in the chair type thing like Annabeth is, whether they're planning before or planning in the moment, she really does bring out the best in him. I think this is a great way to show like without Annabeth, he would not be the hero that he is. Totally. It kind of reminds me of like when really charismatic people still think it's okay to wing a wedding speech. Where it's like, I see like you're like still doing all right, but like it would have just been so much better had you not been doing this. And this is why I cherish the fact that you printed out note cards and they still live in my bedside table and I read them (laughs) if I'm ever sad. Also, if you're doing a wedding speech, don't don't do it on the phone. Like if you have to print it out, I get it. Like you having note cards was worlds, worlds better than someone reading on a phone. Yeah. And like scrolling and losing their spot. And oh, hang on a second. Note cards was also way better than stapled together piece of paper, because when you're holding a microphone, it's just awkward to like move it and flip it. And then it makes the loud noise. Right. With note cards, you can just kind of drop them if you need to. You can just toss them. Mm -hmm. A lot easier to sift through. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. Percy is knocked into the air and begins to plummet towards the ground. Blackjack swoops in and saves him and even apologizes to Percy after Percy lets out an ow from the hard fall. Blackjack's so kind. But the ow is an octave higher than usual, and you know what that implies about where he landed, right? (gasps) Oh, Oh, I didn't think of that. Yep. That's good. I mean, it would make sense if he landed in riding horse form that would uh, expose that particular area and then he says it says no problem I squeaked follow that pig (laughs) I didn't put that together that's why I have guests on the show so I don't miss stuff Percy says no problem but squeaks it out and tells him to follow the pig as the pig causes destruction by knocking the Hermes statue into buildings and stuff all along the way. Percy gets an idea when he sees this, and he tells Blackjack to get close enough to where Percy can shout at the statue. And I'm wondering, oh, is he going to activate the statue? That could be very clever. Blackjack then says, now I'm sure you've lost it, boss. But Blackjack does follow through with the plan. And yes, that is exactly what happens. Percy activates the statue and instructs it to kill flying pigs. The statue springs to life. It's confused to find itself not atop Grand Central Terminal, but then it does begin to climb up the rope towards the pig. As they approach the Bryant Park Library, Percy sees the giant stone lions, which are outside the library, and wonders if they too can be activated. He tells Blackjack to get in front of the pig and taunt it. Blackjack goes, um, boss? But Percy tells Blackjack to trust him because, quote, I can do this, dot, 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 
probably. To which Blackjack replies, oh, sure, mark the horse. Which, uh, <laughs> their dynamic is so good. I would love a Percy Blackjack only story, a little quest that could be very, very, very fun. Or just anything with more Blackjack. I just need more Blackjack. Blackjack shoots ahead of the pig and says, you smell like ham, which I guess <laughs> works. Not necessarily his best work, but I don't know. It could get the job done. But then Blackjack does something that is more effective, which is kicking the pig in the snout and then diving below, which causes the pig to scream and chase after Blackjack. So Blackjack then gets close enough to the lions for Percy to activate them. They also pounce once they see the pig. The Hermes statue has also reached the pig, and this team of statues is able to vanquish the beast. You know why the Hermes statue was able to climb the rope? Uh, is this a Laffy Taffy type joke? Uh-huh. Is able to climb the rope. He's uh, really muscular. Oh, like let's just say he's like chiseled. He's <laughs> was that it? Chiseled? Nice. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> well, I was I was too in the weeds. I was thinking Hermes joke, not statue joke. Oh yeah, no, just mm-hmm. statues. Yeah, just statues. yeah. Why was the statue able to climb the rope? Because he was chiseled. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Nailed it. Nailed it. So after defeating the sow, the lions and Hermes look confused because their task is complete and they don't see any other flying pigs to destroy. But Percy <laughs> gives them new orders: defend Manhattan. But by that time, they had already left in search of more giant pigs. So Percy doesn't think that his new orders actually went through. And Blackjack says, "Hey, boss." Can we take a donut break? Which I love, as long as you don't go to Monster Donut. Percy says that he wishes that they could, but they have to get back to the fight. The statues, not knowing what to do after they killed the flying pig, is very reminiscent of, like, sci-fi tropes when they, like, invent a robot for, like, one Uh, singular purpose, you know? And then mm -hmm. when it finishes that purpose, it, like, doesn't know what to do. And, Mm -hmm. like, they're going to, like traverse the world looking for more flying pigs to kill. It's like their sole purpose now. <laughs> so that's the end of chapter 14. We will now take a break, our mid-roll break, the Cash to Olympian, where we will talk about cool things with the pod, new merch, new live shows, new stuff on the Patreon, all that kind of stuff. Check that out. We'll be back soon. Hello and welcome to the Cashed Olympian Utah edition once again here with some family getting on a flight soon. But before I do that, I got to talk to you all about cool things going on with the podcast. Now, last mid-roll break, I mentioned that there is going to be some new merch going up on the merch store soon. And I did want to let any of you know who didn't see the social media posts, some of the stickers that we're putting up online, you can buy directly from me and then you don't have to pay shipping, tax, all that kind of stuff. You can get stickers that we had on this tour, the tour stickers and the Calatornia stickers. You can get those for five bucks each. If you go to bit.ly slash TNO sticker, all lowercase, so bit.ly slash TNO S-T-I-C-K-E-R, all lowercase everything, you will see the Instagram post that explains everything. But basically, you just send me an email, you pay me on PayPal or Venmo, and then Kelly and I will mail you some stickers. So if you want to get those stickers and you don't want to pay shipping tax, all that kind of stuff, five bucks no matter where you live at bit.ly slash TNO sticker. Now, speaking of the tour, we do have shows coming up, and I'm very excited about those shows. This month, September, we have a show in Vienna, Virginia, which is in the D.C. metropolitan area. That's going to be on Thursday, September 28th. Our guest star will be Delia Gallegos, and we'll be talking about the PJO Ultimate Guide spinoff book, which I'm very excited to cover. And then in October, we have two shows that will be about the first movie, so Philadelphia on October 21st and New York City on October 22nd. Our guest for Philadelphia will be Adam Amawala as the person who has not read the book. 
books, and then Johnny Frolicstein as the person who has read the books, and then in New York City, it will be Adam again, and then Sequoia as the person who has read the books. Also, those shows are going to start with like a five to ten minute stand-up set from Adam Amawala, who is a professional stand-up comedian, so you're really getting a whole bunch of good stuff all in one. Then in December, doing a Texas run of shows, Dallas, December 13th, Austin, December 15th, San Antonio, December 17th, and Houston, December 19th. The Dallas and Houston shows are just the newest Olympian. I don't know all of the guests yet, but for the San Antonio show, it will for sure be Stephen Para. You can get tickets to all of these at thenewsolympian.com slash live, and you should get on it. The Vienna show already has 122 tickets sold, which is wild. That's going to be such a wonderfully raucous show. You should come through. It's going to be such a good vibe if you live near the area, obviously. But I'm not your mom. Do whatever you want to do. If you want to make a trip of it, make a trip of it. Now, recently, I just put together my quarterly tax estimates for Q3 of 2023. Shout out to all the self-employed folks out there as well that had to do the same. And something that does always make that season a little more bearable is the support that comes through via Patreon because it is steady and normal. And let me just tell you about the rest of my job. It's not steady and it's not normal. And I have to send so many PDFs and spreadsheets to my accountant who does fantastic work. Shout out EJ. Thank you very much for all the work that you do. But I'm very appreciative to all the folks who support on Patreon, just putting some more stability in my unstable life. So I want to give a shout out to everyone who supports on Patreon, but we're going to do another 50 names from the big swing of folks who have joined recently, inspired by the movie stream that we did, which is available to all patrons. So here's another 50 people who have supported. So shout out to our newest God tier patrons, Icewer Felchin, Molly Jean, Carissa Garcia, Drake Andrea, Nano Mew, Jamie Eloise, The Renegade Jason Land, Kaume and MP, Relitsa Dimitrova, the Walker Twins, Dustin the Eye, Emma, almost a lawyer Nadine, Josie Trenton, and the Earth is Napping, and shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons, Caitlin Nelson Mitchell, Gemini Roche 13, Daniela with an E, the dyslexic demigod teacher, Jake Mungan, Leah Smith, Catherine Morrill, Moss Girl, Iris Christensen, Jesus Carbajal, Bayate, Courtney Stoles, Claire Weidman, Micah Daniel, Melanie Plante, or Melanie Plant, I'm sorry, I'm not sure which one it is, Allison Nolan, Jessica Hinton, Jenna slash Jen, Amir, Katie Rose, Magnolia the Dryad, Oda Tolsrod, Ella Stevens, Tethaniel Uteradiel, Kareem Kolaif, Enchiladas for Life, Mirth the Mega Nerd, Kiara Hack, someone that made their username just the monkey emoji where it's covering its eyes, KS Bird, Clarissa Garcia, Kiara Lofen, Sophie Suds, Sydney Estevez, Katie Osley, Chaz Figueroa, Jersey Jackson, and I'm So Pro Bro Cha Cho. Thank you all so much for your support. May Athena bless you that when you are playing any sort of strategy-based game, when you line up a bunch of moves, that you remember all of those moves and you don't skip a step that makes you end up losing the game. Now, if you're all caught up on the News Olympian and you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, I make a whole bunch of podcasts. I think they're very good. I think you might enjoy them since I have a hand in those just like I do in this one. One of the shows I think you might enjoy is Meddling Adults, which is coming back soon. Meddling Adults is a podcast game show for charity where I host and I have guests compete to solve children's mysteries from classics like Encyclopedia Brown, Nancy Drew, Shelby Woo, Scooby-Doo, other things that don't rhyme with those. And then the winner earns money for a charity of their choosing. We have had many fun guests on. I'm currently recording episodes for season four, part two, that'll come out later in the fall. And it's going to be another just fun bunch of episodes. You can listen to meddling adults wherever you get your podcasts by searching for meddling adults, or you can go to meddlingadults.com. Now, before we wrap up here, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors, make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in Benin, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in French. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of the newest Olympian. 
This episode of the News Olympian is brought to you by Tap for a Cause. Now, in this episode, Percy is going full fight mode. He's fighting off giant titans. He is fighting off various monsters. He is trying to take down a flying sow. These are all things that help the world, but are very challenging to accomplish. If you want something that's very easy to accomplish, but does still help the world, you could use Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is something you add to your internet browser. You set it up with just a couple of clicks. You go to tabforacause.org slash TNO. That's T-A-B-F-O-R-A-C-A-U-S-E.org slash TNO. And then you install it in your browser. And then every time you open a new tab, you will get a very pretty picture. Sometimes it's nature, sometimes it's architecture. And you might see some ads in the corner, but those ads raise money for charity. And then you get to pick what charities the money from Tab for a Cause goes to. There's a lot of really great organizations. One that I gave to you recently is the Foundation to Decrease World Suck, which is the nerd fighter charity run by John Green and Hank Green, the Vlog Brothers. There's lots of really other good causes, and it's just a nice thing. You're going to open a bunch of tabs using the internet anyway, because that's just how the world works. So you might as well make that productive. So go to tabforacause.org slash TNO right now, get that installed, and then you can start helping the world. And you won't have to put as much effort in as Percy Jackson does. So I think that's a pretty good thing to start doing today. For six generations, the Jones family has been providing high-quality meats. And now, we're providing treats for the best member of your family, man's best friend, a.k.a. the goodest boys and girls. Jones Natural Shoes makes bones and treats that are sure to be savored by your dog and are made from the best natural ingredients available. Our flavorful chews are made from natural animal parts and will have your puppy drooling with happiness. From treats like sticks and chews to savory bones and patties, we've got you covered for finding the perfect reward for that special pup in your life. Jones Natural Chews come in all sizes, so make sure to choose the right treat for your pup. And remember, it's important to be supervising your pup when they're enjoying their treats to keep your puppy safe. Jones Natural Chews, available at a pet store near you. Or visit jonesnaturalchews.com to get started with our store locator tool. That's Jones Natural Chews. Available at a pet store near you. And we're back, and we're here to cover chapter 15, which is called Chiron Throws a Party. Now, I always try to guess what's going on before beginning the chapters, and I just wrote, gotta be the party ponies, right? Feels like that this could have been more vague to keep the intrigue, because when it says Chiron Throws a Party, like, obviously... The centaur with the party ponies, he's going to be throwing a party of the ponies. The party ponies are coming. I thought, not that Rick was asking, you could go for something like party time or something like that. Like you could have party in the title, but having Chiron and party in the title. Party city. Oh, party city. I wonder if they would have to get that cleared by the brand, though. Also, city of parties. aren't, Aren't most of the chapter titles complete sentences? Oh. Oh. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, chapter 14 was pigs fly, which is technically a complete sentence. Yeah, I mean, party time is because the it's is implied. It is an implied it is party time. Is it? It is. It is. (laughs) It's it's. (laughs) implied. We're fun. Mm. We're really fun people. We're great at parties. Party time. Anyway, Chiron throws a party. We'd be great at it. So the war is raging on across Manhattan, including a bronze Ben Franklin statue attacking a hellhound with a rolled up newspaper. Hell yeah. I got to find the statue. I really, really got to. It's an idea that I have for the TNO TikTok, which I need to send more videos to Sherry to upload since I still canonically, as a past Viner, will never download TikTok. I want to do a thing where I go around Manhattan and take videos of statues and then just rate on a scale of one to 10 how good they would be in the war. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> I got to start really doing good. it. 
Percy wants to stop and help, but he knows that he has to get to the Empire State Building. He tells Blackjack that they have to land where they are needed most. And Blackjack says, that's everywhere, boss, which <laughs> is a big oof, but also funny, but also real. Percy sees an Athena banner and spots Annabeth and two siblings fighting off a Hyperborean giant. Percy tells Blackjack to go there. Of course he picks where Annabeth is. Of course that is the area of most need. But to be fair... Those giants are very scary. It does seem like the scariest of the beasts that he was describing of the things that he saw. So I do get it. But it also does feel like he probably would have picked that up. I was going to say, going on. <laughs> I was gonna say the impressive triaging that we observed earlier has gone fully out the window. <laughs> oh, man. Percy jumps from Blackjack and lands on the giant's head and begins to attack it. He eventually gets to the ground and begins to run away from the giant. And he hears Annabeth say, hey, ugly. And... Percy hopes that she's referring to the giant and not him. Very cute. Very Imagine adorable. he just gets back on Blackjack and flies away somewhere else after <laughs> she says that. Fine, I'll <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Won't help you out. Narrator Percy then calls him Blue Boy, which I enjoy. And then Narrator Percy says that the giant turns towards Annabeth, which gives Percy the perfect opportunity to attack the rear of his legs, which are unguarded. He stabs him in the back of the knee, which sounds very painful. Mm -hmm. The giant screams out in pain, but rather than turn into dust, it just freezes into an ice sculpture and then cracks and breaks into a pile of frozen shards. Annabeth thanks Percy and asks the pig, and Percy replies, pork chops. <laughs> Such a good little action reply that does relieve Annabeth. But on the other hand, her shoulder is in pain. Percy notices her wincing. She says that she's fine, and they've got to deal with loads of other enemies. So I'm guessing this is still the pain from the bridge situation where she got hit with some poison. Yep, yep. And she was recovering from this in the plaza, but then went out to fight. Narrative Percy says that he fought like he's never fought before for the next hour. Eventually, they work their way back to the Empire State Building, where a ring of their teammates are guarding the doors. Even invincible Percy starts to feel drained so he can only imagine what his compatriots are feeling like. And then he sees what he thinks at first is the sunrise, but he soon realizes that it is just Kronos atop his golden chariot. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. There are 12 Lastragonians around him, and there are two Hyperboreans carrying purple and black banners. The arts and crafts department always making these banners. <laughs> How many banners do they have? <laughs> Annabeth tells Percy that they must fall back and protect the doorway, and Percy agrees and plans to order a retreat, but then he hears a hunting horn, and it is the party ponies. Woo! They are here, and there are hundreds of them. They charge into battle, and they fire off a wave of arrows, and the style of the pony is even more absurd from the ponies that we've come to expect. You've got a range of tie-dye clothing to rainbow afro wigs to shirts that say horses pwn, P-W-N, and Kronos sucks, S-U-X, and oh my goodness was this book written in 2009. I know, right? <laughs> give, me a, give me a horses rule, monsters drools. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like a perfect, like, pwn is one of those words that just like came and went in a year, kind of like epic in 2014. Like, it's oh, just like... Oh, you're so right. You're it's so right. just, it's cool, and everyone uses uses it and it's like actually we're gonna have to use a new word now pwn those noobs baby gross also pwn pony pun maybe somewhere baked in there mm. probably not that's pretty good i wonder if rick thought of that I i'll have to ask ponies him mm, ponies yeah they just have shirts that say p-w-n-i-e-s oh yeah amazing mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tm 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 it's my idea you can't make it disney unless you pay me chiron <laughs> calls out to percy and apologizes for being late and a centaur yells Dude, talk later. Waste monsters now. <laughs> <laughs> there are ponies from South Florida, the heart of Texas, and Hawaii. 
Kronos's army is thrown into disarray and they begin to retreat. A Hyperborean giant stumbles and sits on top of Kronos by accident, so you got a good butt to the face. Narrator Percy says, the Lord of Time disappeared under a giant blue butt. So, butts are causing pain. You love to see it when it's for the enemies. Chiron commands the ponies to push the enemy away, but not to follow them. Nothing better than a comedic arch-villain getting sat on by one of his cronies. That so is just good. like A+. Plus. So good, so good. Annabeth tells Percy that this is a good idea so that they don't get spread out too thin. Percy wonders if they should just finish them off, but Annabeth says it's a smart plan because they won't defeat them quite yet, and the dawn is coming, so they will have successfully bought enough time where they'll eventually leave, and then they'll have to come back later. So they end up pulling back, and Percy heads to the Empire State Building to set up a perimeter. While doing so, Chiron reveals that 500 ponies from almost every U.S. state made it out. What state didn't come through? What state is slacking? I gotta know. I gotta know which one it is. Uh, we don't need to put any particular state on blast. Uh, Do we? <laughs> no. Cool. I don't think I have any recent beef with any states. The only thing I could guess is Alaska's really far. So maybe they didn't come. I mean, people came from Hawaii, though. They would have had to cross some water somehow. Yeah, it's impressive have. that I, the Hawaii chapter showed up. I agree. A group of the party ponies then go off to chug root beer. Percy thanks Chiron for saving the day. Chiron again apologizes that it took them so long. Annabeth asks how they got through the magic defenses surrounding the city. Chiron says that those defenses slowed them, but they didn't stop them. He thinks that they are more geared towards keeping out mortals specifically. Can we just talk about how one of the centaurs, whose name is Larry, has a shirt that says Big chief uber guy which is just like <laughs> maybe not who you want to be larry he's yeah. not the greatest oh man yeah especially you know how could you know uber at that time would become such a oh, uber yeah come on larry <laughs> Percy has hope that the other reinforcements could get through, but Chiron wonders if they have enough time for reinforcements to even arrive. Percy asks about Typhon. Chrono says that the gods are starting to tire. Dionysus and Hephaestus were knocked out of battle. Chiron thinks that Typhon will make it to New York by this time tomorrow. Percy doesn't think that they can last another day. Thalia says that they must and heads off to start setting traps around the perimeter. Again, this is a theme that seems to keep happening. Thalia keeps popping up when they don't say that she's here. Like all of a sudden, you'll just be like having a scene conversation, and then Dolly is like, Yeah, and oh, 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 where did you come from? You're so right. <laughs> is that a Huntress thing, or is that just uh... maybe? But they never like make note of it, but they also just don't say, like, And Thalia is there. I guess you're just supposed to assume that, like, when they're setting stuff up, Thalia is a big enough deal that she's there. But I just feel like I keep getting surprised by Thalia showing yeah, up. Yeah, like, wait, 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 when did you come back? Were you here the whole time? Yeah. So they want to go sit around some traps. Chiron joins to help. Annabeth is cleaning her knife, and Percy breaks the silence by saying that at least Athena is okay. Annabeth isn't so sure that fighting Typhon is, quote, doing okay, and she's also getting worried about their chances in general. Percy, recognizing that this might be the last time they're going to be able to speak to each other, admits to Annabeth that Hestia showed him some visions. This is big of Percy. Annabeth immediately guesses that it's about Luke, causing Percy to wonder if it was just an obvious guess or if Annabeth had a sense of what Percy was withholding this whole time. And it could be a little bit of both. He then wonders if she's been having dreams too. Percy confirms Annabeth's guess that it was about Luke, and he relays that it was about the first time they met and the first time that they met Hermes. Annabeth sheaths her knife and recounts how Luke told her he'd keep her safe and they were a new family. Percy brings up Thalia's hesitations about Annabeth's ability too, and before he can even say it, Annabeth guesses that Thalia is unsure that Annabeth can face Luke currently in the ongoing battle. So 
Is it like a thing among the fandom that they would love like a spinoff series of the adventures of Luke, Thalia and Annabeth as like little children? I think so. I feel like that would be this fandom's version of everyone being like, oh, my God, give me the Marauder story. Totally. And, And I think for the same reason. I don't want it because I don't want the Marauders one because like James Potter sucks. Like he's a bad person. I don't want to read things about him. And Luke verifiably sucks. sucks. (laughs) So like I don't care. And I guess it's like a opposite of hindsight. Like foresight is 2020. But it's just one of those like I don't want to read a prequel story about somebody who sucks. Foresight verifiably 2020. (laughs) (laughs) At least mine is. Uh, Well, I got to go to the Iron Doctor and double check. Anyway, Percy confirms and then surprisingly tells Annabeth that Ethan believes that Luke is still alive inside of his body that Kronos is taking over and that Luke might be fighting Kronos for control. And I think that's pretty big of Percy because that could be one of those things where he gets jealous or angry or whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to tell Annabeth that there actually is a glimmer of hope for Luke. So him saying that to her, I thought was pretty solid. It is pretty solid. I love that Ethan Nakamura is a two-name person. Yeah. Have we talked about this yet? You talked about this, I think, in the very, very first time he gets brought up. You happen to be the guest for that episode, and you were (laughs) bringing up, and of course, like, talk about hindsight. I wouldn't have known this, and I've said this in a podcast episode as well, but you said, oh yeah, Ethan Nakamura, classic two-name guy, and then... He's in and out of book four. I was like, why was Johnny making such a big deal? Like, yeah, he was mentioned first name, last name, but he shows up like twice and then that's it. And then he becomes a big deal in the Demigod Files. And now he's a big deal here. So it was one of those things where for months I was like, Johnny's so weird. Like, why <laughs> does he care about this throwaway character? I just love people with two names who can only go by two names. Are you a two name guy? No, Dude, a lot no, 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 no. Too many syllables where people are just like, oh, God, Frolicstein. Yeah, yeah, that would be quite the burden to bear for people to have to say my full name every time. I do like it. Sometimes I do say it. I think it rolls off the tongue well. What's the worst pronunciation of Frolicstein you've ever had? Oh, my God. Because it's Um, not that hard. It's like Adam Mamawala, where it's not that hard if you just, like, look at it. But people see a lot of letters, and they just run away. Totally, yeah. I think, like, there's a lot of Frocklestein or Frocklestein. The best is when it's, like, a customer support person, and they're like, (laughs) John, oh, oh. (laughs) I get that a lot. Yeah, That's Uh, a good one. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Annabeth tries not to react to this news from Percy, but Percy can tell that she is calculating in her mind, working out potential positive case scenarios. And another really big thing of Percy Jackson, he admits to her that he didn't want to tell her. I really appreciate the honesty that he's got on display here. Peak maturity from Percy here. It's really nice. Annabeth looks up at the Empire State Building and tells Percy that for much of her life, she felt like everything changed around her and she had no one on whom she could rely. She thought Luke and Thalia would fix all of that, but they're her new family crumbled instantly. She explains that she hates when people let her down and when things are temporary, that's why she wants to be an architect. And Percy replies, to build something permanent, a monument to last a thousand years. And Percy, really firing on all cylinders, remembering things that Annabeth told him multiple books ago? Good job! Well done, Percy. I will say, if I was Percy, I would have been like, Annabeth, that applies to so many fields, not just like, that's why I wanted to be a scientist. So things just didn't randomly change on me. Like that is like, it's like such a like bit of an Olympic level stretch there from Annabeth. I must say. That's why I wanted to be a podcaster. As long as no one re-uploads the audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It stays the same forever. Yeah. Like, what? Oh, uh, that's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But this is a nice thing for him to do anytime. And I'm bad at this, but I try to do it. You know, if someone says something 
nice to you that they're excited about. And then days go by and the thing happened and you can ask them like, oh, hey, how'd that thing go? It's a really nice thing. It's and very nice. Percy's crushing it. Yeah, he is. I appreciate being on the receiving end of it. I am proud of myself when I can remember and be on the giving end of it. It's a good thing to do. So Annabeth keeps eye contact with Percy and says that it sounds like her fatal flaw again. And Percy reminds the reader, in case you skipped the first four and a half books, that her fatal flaw is pride, specifically thinking that she can fix anything. Percy says that he understands how she feels, but he thinks ultimately that Thalia is right. Luke has betrayed her so many times and was evil before being possessed by Kratos. Thank God he brought this up. This does not get brought up enough. In book one, he tried to kill Percy with a scorpion. Like, yeah, come on. Totally. Ugh. Percy says he doesn't want Luke to hurt her anymore, and Annabeth, trying to hold back some anger, replies that she hopes Percy also understands that she is going to keep hoping that he's wrong and that Luke can be fixed, saved, whatever. Percy looks away and feels like he's done his best, but it doesn't make him feel any better about the situation because he hasn't really changed her mind. Annabeth clearly didn't watch like any sitcoms growing up on <laughs> Nickelodeon or the Disney Channel where she could have learned that she was not going to be able to fix this boy. Yeah. She clearly yeah. did not watch those. But also, she's a teenager. That's something we got to remember here. Like, this is big 16-year-old energy. It makes sense. And I also guess that the reason she didn't watch those sitcoms is because she was busy running around with Luke and Thalia. So yep. mm -hmm. I get it. Yep, 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 yep. But yeah, this was a tough spot for Percy to be in. He's definitely dealing with Annabeth's fatal flaw, so there's only so much you can push against. Yep, yep, yep. He looks over at the Apollo camper setting up a field hospital when suddenly he isn't there anymore and he's transported to a dive bar with a happy birthday Bobby Earl banner running across it. Country music is playing. There are dudes in blue jeans all around and Percy finds himself at the back near the arcade machines. And at the Pac-Man machine is Mr. D, who says, oh, good, you're here. And then asks Percy for a Diet Coke, meaning, oh, yeah, for sure, this is Mr. D, because we didn't know who it was at first. So it made me super mad that he goes to a birthday party right now because of the chapter title, which is Chiron Throws a Party. Oh. Why wasn't the chapter title something more fun and ambiguous, like, I go to two parties or something oh, like that? Oh, even... Come on. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And normally we love these chapter titles. This one was just a miss. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, earlier in this episode, I said that I thought it was too on the nose, but I didn't even think about this. You are totally right. I think I go to two parties would be fun and also just like a weird change of pace because going to one party in the middle of a war would be strange. But two? two? In this economy? <laughs> I mean, honestly, that would have been really good. Uh, Uncle Rick, come on. What are you, a 55-time New York Times bestselling author? Yeah, come on. Love you so much. Come on, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> we adore you. Please come on the show. Percy asks to confirm that it is Mr. D, and Dionysus wonders when Percy, but calling him Peter Johnson, will finally be able to recognize him on sight. Percy says as long as it'll take him to remember his name, which is a great comeback, and then he asks Mr. D where they are. Mr. D says they're in rural America, and Percy thought that Mr. D was knocked out of the sky by Typhon. Mr. D confirms that he was and says that part of him is still buried under some rubble. But in the meantime, part of his consciousness is here at this party. He explains that his presence is invoked at parties so he can exist in many places at once. And then he asks Percy if he's aware of how serious things are outside of his, quote, safe little bubble of New York. Those East Coast elites in their safe little bubble. <laughs> <laughs> to which Percy replies in full italics, safe little bubble. Yeah, he had to say it like that because it was in italics. That's mm -hmm. the only way. He 
could have said it. I do love the usage of italics in this book. I really like that it can mean sassy question. It can mean anger. It can mean cursing. There's so many different usages. It can mean safe little bubble. (laughs) Well, that would be the sassy little question. Mr. D breezes right past this retort and continues that people in middle America are frantic. So parties are scarce. But thankfully, Bobby Earl and his friends aren't the brightest lamps in the living room and they don't realize that the world is ending. This is the spinoff we need. We need the Bobby Earl Chronicles. Specifically just what Bobby Earl and his friends think is happening when the mist is going on. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Percy checks to confirm that he, Percy Jackson, is not really here. And Mr. D lets him know, yes, and soon I will send you back to your, quote, normal, insignificant life. And it'll be like nothing happened. And I know that this is the relationship with Mr. D and Percy. You get the little butting of the heads and it's like semi-joking but also like deep down he totally secretly loves Percy. We had some progress before this and I was sad that this felt like a little more of a contentious thing but given how it kind of goes I think it becomes more clear that it's like a tough love type thing but I just want them to be best friends and I hope that by the end of the book they are on better terms. It is just like such an obvious falsehood to call Percy's life normal and insignificant like which I think is what makes it a joke yeah yeah of course of course like actually though like like (laughs) this man is out here like trying to prevent your like a whole kind from being imprisoned like (laughs) it is one of those things that I find myself in an awkward situation sometimes where you're pretty sure someone is joking like 95% sure but given that Mr. D is a god and that some of the gods think that mortal lives because they're so short by comparison are insignificant there is like a slight little chance that mr d is not kidding so i can understand why percy doesn't react to it super well because i will sometimes not react to it super well so i get it percy asks mr d why he brought him here and mr d snort laughs and says that he didn't want percy specifically totally a lie and that any hero would do such as quote that Annie girl and of course Percy immediately corrects to Annabeth because he's in love with her (laughs) Mr. D just continues saying the point is I pulled you into a party to deliver a warning we are in danger to which Percy replies gee never would have figured that out thanks party foul am I right (laughs) it's so good The sass just on full display. Mr. D stares down Percy, and then his Pac-Man gets eaten by the red ghost, causing Mr. D to exclaim, Ere es Caracas, Blinky! I will have your soul! It's just perfect. It's just perfect. And I cannot wait for Jason Manzoukas to play Mr. D, even though in my brain it's always Ian McShane, the guy who plays Winston in John Wick, or Rod's dad in Hot Rod. I always imagine him as Mr. D just in this very fancy sort of like, oh, Peter Johnson. But I also think Manzoukas will bring a different but equally perfect energy to the role. When I saw that that was the casting, I was like more excited than I've been about a casting in so long. It's just like, he's so funny. I don't know if there's an Oscar for casting, but they should make one for that. Just for that. Like, oh, you've won the Oscar for casting, or I guess Emmy because it's a TV show, because... This is perfect. Never mind that. Give him the Oscar. You know what? Give him a Tony. Give him an Espy. Give him a Peabody. <laughs> I don't care. The Espy for casting. Give him the Nickelodeon Blimp, the MTV Movie Award, Little Gold Spaceman. Give him everything. Lots of chatter about the Nickelodeon Blimp in Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died. So, ah, yeah. Which you did just give me as a little book exchange. Mm-hmm. We traded that for Fern Brady's strong female character. Little uh, Johnny Mike Library. I like it. We should try to make it a thing. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's do it. Or recording still oh my god wow so percy states that blinky is just a video game character dionysus responds that's no excuse and you're ruining my game jorgensen love it 
Also, him continuing to do all these different wrong names for Percy Jackson reminds me of how you like to call Dwayne Reed any DR name that is not Dwayne Reed. Because <laughs> oh, I couldn't remember it for the longest time. Yeah, can we go to the Dominican Republic and pick up some cotton yeah, balls? <laughs> yeah, can we please go get some candy at the Dr. Robotnik? <laughs> Mr. D says that if Olympus falls, the gods will fade, and also everything connected to their legacy will unravel. Then Mr. D gets distracted by reaching level 254 in Pac-Man. Percy gets him on track to continue his explanation of what's going on. And then Mr. D says, and all of society will dissolve. Art, law, wine tastings, music, video games, silk shirts, black velvet paintings, all the things that make life worth living will disappear. And I just love that it starts as normal and just devolves into things that Mr. D likes yeah. the most. It's a perfect <laughs> joke. It's also, a perfect joke. No more silk shirts means no more Dan Flashes just saying. Oh, that'd be terrible. Percy asks, if that's the case, why aren't the gods rushing back to defend Olympus rather than deal with Typhon? And Mr. D demands his Diet Coke. Percy gets a waiter's attention and puts it on Bobby Earl's tab. Good move, Percy Jackson. Wow. How does he even know at 16 that that's a thing that you yeah, can do? What is a tab is what I would have been asking at 16. <laughs> Mr. D takes a long drink and then says, the truth is, Pierre. And Percy goes, Percy. Dwayne Reed. <laughs> and then Dionysus explains, the gods would never admit it, but they actually need heroes to save Olympus because they are a manifestation of mortal culture. If they don't care enough to save Olympus, and Percy finishes, that it'll be similar to what happened to Pan, Dionysus confirms. So sad. So sad. He then instructs Percy to use all of the training he has given him at camp. Percy asks, what training? And Mr. <laughs> D says, you know, all those hero techniques and and then he curses as he loses on the final level, which I guess is 255, and I'm pretty sure I'll have to confirm with my father, Joel P. Schubert who did beat Pac-Man. No way. Pac-Man does end. You eventually... No way. Yeah, if you get to, I'm assuming, level 255, it just ends, and then your high score at that point is your high score, which would be the incentive to get as many of those fruits along the way, as opposed to just getting those fruits to, like, get extra lives when you hit certain benchmarks of scores. But I'm pretty sure my dad played Pac-Man a bunch, and he had, like, a book, because, obviously, GameFAQs.com and whatever fandom wikis <laughs> and Wikipedia and all that didn't exist, so I think he had a book about strategy for Pac-Man, and I'm pretty sure my dad has reached the end of Pac-Man. What possibly could the strategy for Pac-Man be? It like, just is certain things about, like... Zig when they zag. Well, like, no, I mean, Kelly and I have played a fair amount, and there's certain things where, like, every time you get to a new batch of levels, which is every five or so, like when the colors change in the background, the first time, I think when you get the little pellets, the power pellets, the way you eat the ghosts, the first time it lasts for a really long time. But then if you're at high levels, like every other time when you get it, it's just really short. Uh, so, like, you would know, oh, it's a new thing. I should get the pellets and I'll have a lot of time to eat all the ghosts, which will be good because it'll free up things. Also, little strategies about, like, you should start turning the joystick in the direction of the turn you want to make just as you're approaching the corner because you can kind of like round the corner certain things about like the tendencies of the ghosts and stuff like that so there are some strategies that I've learned from Joel P. Schubert wait the ghosts have like personalities i don't know if each individual one does but there are certain things that like as a collective just like the coding of how the ghosts oh. are in the game there's certain things of like they'll chase you here if you go into the side thing maybe they won't stuff like that this is wild can we do a guy who's never played pac-man before <laughs> uh, i mean at the very least could be a patron stream you know it would be just really... uh, me and joel coaching you through pac-man <laughs> it would be really interesting for people to listen well now i'm Going left. another pellet. Oh, going yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do the play-by-play. -play. Pellet, 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 power pellet. Pellet, 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 pellet. <laughs> cherry. Oh. 200,000 likes. Oh, he's eating Winky. Anyway, Percy Jackson. 
So Mr. D then looks at Percy with purple flames in his eyes and tells Percy that he should recall that in the past he predicted that Percy would turn out to be as selfish as the other human heroes. He says that this is his chance to prove Dionysus wrong. Percy sarcastically replies that pleasing Mr. D is very high on his list, and then Dionysus responds, You must save Olympus, Pedro! He instructs him to protect their seats of power, and Percy tells Mr. D that this was a great chat and asks if he can leave, but Mr. D says that there is more. Cronus has not yet reached his final form. The mortal body is only temporary, and I had predicted this. Percy had predicted this. He says they are aware of this. Dionysus asks if they also know that in about a day maximum, Cronus will burn away the mortal body and take on his true form as king of the titans and percy knows that means no one could look at him without burning he didn't know that this was going to happen but he does recognize that this would be really bad because he'd be in his true form and dionysus says that it would make chronos 10 times more powerful and his presence would incinerate them and he would power up all the other titans as well i really wanted this to play out like one of those scenarios where mr d says there's more and then he tells Percy what's up, and Percy's like, we kind of guessed that. And then Mr. D's like, oh, well, you, you, like, you know how that mm -hmm, happens sometimes. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. It's like when Barty Crouch Sr. is on trial, and he's like, oh, I can give you these names. Yes. Like, Where do you have those names? Yeah, and he's like, oh, well, uh. don't send me to prison. <laughs> Or maybe that was Bertie Crouch Jr. One of them, anyway. Blah. Percy Jackson. Basically, Dionysus lets Percy know that it's just game over if Cronus assumes his final form. Percy himself feels like he should be more scared, but his fear is basically saturated. He's already at max fear, so this doesn't make him feel any worse. He asks Mr. D if he can leave a second time. Mr. D says he has one final question. Is Pollux alive? Pollux is Dionysus' kid. Percy is taken aback, but relays that he's doing all right, and Mr. D asks Percy to keep it that way, since he's still grieving the loss of his other son, Castor. Percy wonders how many other gods are concerned for their demigod children right now, Percy then tells Dionysus that he will do his best to keep him alive. And Dionysus responds, your best. Well, isn't that reassuring? <laughs> Go now, you have some nasty surprises to deal with, and I must defeat Blinky. I love that, like, amidst all of it, he's just out here playing Pac-Man because he, like, can't do anything else. It is, like, actually what I would be doing right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I would be up there gaming if I couldn't do anything else. Give me some Stardew. Give me some NBA 2K. Give me some Hades the Video Game. Give me some Horizon Zero Dawn. I would love that to pass the time. Is Hades 2 coming out soon? It's coming out, but I don't think soon. I don't think it's coming out till like mid to late 2024, which is fine because the game company that makes it pays their people properly and doesn't overwork them, so they take a long time in between their games, which I would much rather have. Wait, you don't want to be the demanding fan that's like, when is it coming? Make it come next month. And then they like make people work like 18 hour days because, you know, it's a privilege to work in the gaming industry. Hate that. Hate any industry that does that. It's awful. It's stupid. And you know what you can do? You could just play Hades again. Like you could just play Hades one if you're waiting. It's a that great you, game. That you can. It it's, does not get old. It doesn't get old. Percy, of course, asks Mr. D what those surprises are. But of course, Mr. D just waves his hand and Percy is back on Fifth Avenue. Percy hasn't missed a second, no time passed, but he's staring off into the distance and Annabeth asks him what's up. He says nothing, but he's worried about the surprises, unable to fathom how things could get even worse than they already are. Percy then sees a car that looks oddly familiar, a Prius with a dented hood. <gasps> Sally and Ball. Not just any Prius. <laughs> Ball's Prius. He runs up to it. Annabeth asks what he is doing. Percy keeps going and is freaking out about his parents, and he's also kicking himself for not having noticed them during the battle. And dude, you've been a bit busy. Yeah, for real. 
how are you going to pick up a Prius, one of the most common cars in New York? How are you going to pick that up? And also, I don't know, you're worrying about fighting off monsters and making sure your friends are okay and trying to literally save the world. I think you can not be so harsh on yourself right now. They better not make it a Tesla in the Disney series. I don't think they will. Why would they? Because it's like the whole, like, you know, eco-friendly thing. I don't think they will. I would imagine, just because this is how the world works, some car company will pay Disney money and then you'll just have to notice, huh, is it weird that every car is an Audi? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like in some Avengers movies, you're like, wow, everything is a GM car. Huh, in interesting. New York City. Yeah, everyone's huh. driving GMCs? Weird. Annabeth tries to calm him down. Percy is frantic and screams that he needs to get them out. And then as narrator Percy, he admits to us that he recognizes that he's sounding a bit out of sorts. Annabeth calms him down and waves Chiron over to them. Percy explains to Chiron that Sally must have sensed that something was wrong and came to try and help him. Chiron agrees, assuring him that they will be fine and says that the best thing that they can do for Paul and Sally is to finish the task at hand. Percy then sees Pandora's jar in the back seat of the Prius. I think it was even seat-belted in, which is very cute. Annabeth thinks that that is impossible since Percy left it in the plaza, and Percy adds, yeah, we left it in a locked vault. Chiron is shocked to see the jar, but after confirming what it is, Percy tells the whole tale of Prometheus and the meeting that Percy had with him. Chiron says that it will follow him and tempt him no matter where he leaves it. It appears wherever you are at your weakest. Percy imagines Prometheus smiling at him, and he is enraged. He cuts through the driver window with Riptide and says the plan should be to put the car in neutral, push it to safety, and take the jar to Olympus. Chiron thinks that this plan is solid and is about to say, but Percy, and then of course, a helicopter whirs in the distance because apparently Chiron has gotten to Rachel Elizabeth Dare too to protect the plot. Wow. He's done it. My (laughs) goodness. I wonder if Chiron actually set up some of the defenses alongside with the Titans to be like, oh, plot defenses. Narrative Percy notes, on any other New York City morning, this wouldn't be a big deal, but with the magic borders up, this is surprising. And then he sees the DE logo of Dare Enterprises on the side, and I think that this would be a funny merch item for them to make. I do see people wearing Waystar Royco shirts and hats in the world, the fictional company from Succession. So for people to wear Dare Enterprises merch, I think that would be pretty funny. Yeah, that's like... Honestly, a lot better than Waystar Royco. I feel mm-hmm. like it's not fun when it's like not a deep cut, right? Like, yeah, it'd be way more fun if like the succession people wore Pierce that like rival media company. Yeah, merch. it's not fun when it's like, the, you know, that's like, yeah, OK, like you're you're like a, you know, run of the mill fan. You're not like proving anything to me here. Right. And I also feel like it's different when the merch is just like, yeah, it's just a shirt that says the thing. Whereas like, I don't think I would feel the same way about someone wearing a Ted Lasso jersey because like most people. People, I would think, watching that show aren't big sports fans. So, you know, if you're someone who doesn't ever buy sports jerseys, you're like, oh, well, I'll get a Roy Kent jersey and then I'll just wear this at any sporting event I go to because everyone will think it's cool. Then, yeah, like that makes sense, even though that's like the main thing. But yes, I do kind of feel that same way when someone's wearing a Waystar Royco hat. You're basically just wearing a hat that says, I like one of the most popular and well-reviewed shows in all of existence. Right. And paid $20 to let people know that fact. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, a Dare Enterprises hat would be super cool and fun and a deep cut. But also, if you have a Waste Oroka hat, just fine. Just wear it. It's just, don't worry. We're not, we're not serious. We love everyone. <laughs> Percy gets nervous. Annabeth's face becomes, quote, as red as the helicopter, letting us know that the helicopter is red. And, oh, I did even write in my notes here. That's funny. I didn't remember writing this. I wrote in my notes, quote, I kind of want Dare Enterprises merch, but I also don't. Because, <laughs> like, it would be a deep cut, but it is also a deep cut of, like, one of the worst people in the book. <laughs> yeah, well, I also feel like, Nobody would get it and people would be like, oh, what does Dare do? 
and you'd be like, oh, no, like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that is what makes it kind of fun. I don't know. It, it is cool. And I think that's what we're getting at is like, it is such a deep cut that people might not understand. But I don't know. And also, I'm not going to make this merch because like maybe Disney would sue me. This is along the lines of like a quote in the book. I'm not making this, but you can get other merch that is certainly royalty free and safe and stuff. What if you got like a slash merch? What if you got like a Waystar Royco? Oh, my God. OK, OK, OK. Annabeth then says, what is she doing here with she and Italics? How did she get through the barrier? Chiron begins to ask what mortal would be foolish enough to break through, and then the chopper thrusts forward, and he realizes that the pilot is asleep. Percy watches in dread as the helicopter is headed for some office buildings. He's also worried about the air gods on the Empire State Building potentially knocking it out of the sky. Percy is too stunned to move, but Annabeth whistles for Guido. Wild that Annabeth is springing into action to save her rival Guido comes in saying you rang for a handsome horse Perfect. and I uh, Guido, no notes Guido. <laughs> and Annabeth growls come on Percy we have to save your friend with your friend in italics absolutely love it that's the end of chapter 15 and that's the end of this episode of the newest Olympian Johnny thank you so much for joining this was very fun here in the closet in me and Kelly's place super fun can we just talk about how this chapter ends with the helicopter literally like hurtling toward the Empire State Building yeah like yeah this is yeah. like the cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers. I agree. As the person who could not read the next chapter right away, this was pretty tough, but I'm glad we recorded this. And now that we're done, I might be opening up, uh, I might be opening up that book uh, to see what's going on in chapter 16, or at least just read like the first couple of pages because I want to make sure Rachel's but there is okay. I don't think that she's going to die here. I had worried about her making it out of this book safely, but this just feels like too dramatic of a situation for her to have her demise. I think she's going to be okay. And I do think it's very cool, especially with Annabeth leading the charge to save her. But yeah, I mean, I'm a little stressed. So let's wrap this up and then I'll read chapter 16. Or as you said, you can go and open up that book. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to do it right now. But Johnny, thank you so much for joining. Anything you want to plug for the people? I don't think so. Listen to this podcast. Keep listening to it. Listen to my dear friend Mike's other lovely content because it's all really great. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, Johnny, thank you again for joining. And listeners, thank you for listening. And until we figure out if Rachel is but there is okay, until then, I'll pursue you later. <laughs> well, you see, that's actually the noise that would play at the mid-roll break. And instead, people are going to hear the do 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 Ah, I blew it. <laughs> no, it's going to be great because that'll be in the whole thing. Hey there! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The New Stolympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamanes and Brandon Google, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you want to be a part of the show's community, you can find us on social media. We're at New Stolympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's also a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash The New Stolympian. And then there's also the Discord that you get access to by joining any tier of the Patreon over at TheNewStolympian.com slash Patreon. If you want to get some TNO merch, you can go to TheNewStolympian.com slash merch. And if you want to support the show, and as a thank you get access to a whole bunch of bonus content you can do that at thenewsolympia.com slash patreon speaking of that patreon let's give a shout out to our producer level patrons Kelsey Gillespie The Damn Steam Nuggets Vicky Garcia Ellie Hoskovchova Veronica Bartova Haley Hastings Robin Garcia Frida Vickstrom Megan Moon Craig McRoberts Taylor Payne Giselle Salvador Peter Johnson The Twins Sabrina Balsiger Bony Pony Casey Williams Polly Burge Nikki Harris Tatiana Schmidt Sandra Rose Josh Sayre Josh Wilkie Abby Ryan Wise Girl Ashton Gabrielson Marco Redhouse Caden Max Sam Sam Reby Riley Kiddas Mary Kelly Audra Mrs. O'Leary Rodith Kalna Milo Kim Harlan Christ, Cece 
Roots 23, Sandkoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Sarah Neal, Ricky, John Drielsma, Rayla Matthews, Riley Draken, Luna Cadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson Fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, Sky Captain and the Princess, King Bastion, One Damn Distraction coming up, Ethan Robinson, Ginger Spurs Boy, Joshua Aid, A Cup of Solace, Meg Roy, Lux, Neil, Will Buchanan, and Olivia Krenicki. If you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, simply talking about the show is so helpful. Word of mouth is huge. So you can tell someone that you know who loves Percy Jackson about the podcast, or you can talk to someone who's looking for an excuse to finally get into the Percy Jackson books about it, or someone who's maybe getting hyped for the TV show that's coming up and they want to understand what's going on. Or you could post about the show on social media, or you could leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. All of these things really do help. I'm very appreciative to everyone who has already done so and to anyone who will do so in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode and I hope you tune into our next episode where we will get through most of chapter 16 with a new guest of the podcast, Fran from the Best Damn Camp podcast. But until then, I'll pursue you later. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, Ace Marmick. So here in Utah, I use the guest room of our in-laws to record the audio and they have a chair that is comfortable, but it's very squeaky. So when I record, I usually have to stay very still so that it doesn't squeak. For this ASMR mix segment, I will try to make it squeak as much as possible. You see the effort that I put in for you by sitting so perfectly still? Thank you so much for listening.